0: Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me as always is my co-host,
1: Robert Zirk. On today's show, the 47th annual Folklorama kicks off today, and we're speaking with the President and the Ambassador's General about what's new this year and what you can hope to experience at the two-week cultural festival.
0: Then we'll speak with Trevor Lehman, a game designer who's invented a new farming card game that Today Only is donating a portion of its proceeds to the Canadian Food Grains Bank, a global charity with a focus on ending world hunger.
1: And finally, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons will join us in studio to speak about This Week in Winnipeg through the lens of CNC.
0: All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode
1: of River City 360. Good morning and welcome to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Nolan, summer's in the air sure and is. that means festivals. So we've had yeah. Folkfest, Fest, the Fringe Festival, there's the Rainbow Trout Music Festival.
0: Icelandic Fest, I think, is this weekend, too. Yeah,
1: the Gimli Film Festival, and starting today, Folklorama.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, we're going to be helping to kick off the festivities by uh, sharing with our listeners our conversations that we had earlier this week with the president of the board of Folklorama, Zelina, S- Zelina Salam. Uh, she's going to tell us everything that's new and that's kind of interesting this year at Folklorama and what lis- our listeners can expect should they choose to attend some uh, some of the pavilions.
1: And after that, we were lucky enough to speak with this year's Ambassadors General of Folklorama, Martina Vergata of the Italian Pavilion and Inderjeet Gill of the Punjab Pavilion. And they'll tell us all about Folklorama's pavilions and what it's like being the faces of the Folklorama Festival.
0: But before we get to the Folklorama kickoff, uh, here's Don Costa with Lisbon Antigua, right here on River City 360. Welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. As we mentioned before our first musical break, uh, Folklorama starts today. Uh, Sunday, July 31st is the very first day of the 47th annual Folklorama. Uh, For our listeners who don't know, Folklorama has been a citywide festival for the past... 47 years that celebrates the culture and you can sample the food of dozens of different countries all around the world at various pavilions that are set up all around the city. Uh, Earlier this week we were lucky enough to speak with the president of the board of Folklorama, Zelina Salam, and she told us all about what to expect from this year and what's changed since Folklorama's inception 47 years ago back in 1970. Here's my co-host Robert Zirk.
1: What, uh, what are some of the new things that people will find at this year's Folklorama?
2: So this year Folklorama, we've got, as Deb had mentioned a little bit earlier, we've got a few pavilions that are coming back. So Mexico is one, and it's not that they're new, but they've just taken a break from the festival for a little bit. So there's a couple of new pavilions that you can check out. Um, with our kickoff, the, we have a new venue altogether. We were a, uh, originally at the Forks for many years. And this year, we're going to Memorial Park. And I think exciting for everybody would be the Beer and Wine, International Beer and Wine Garden. So that's exciting. I know I'll probably try and get to that a little bit. So, yeah, those are some of the things that you could look forward to for those kinds of things up and coming. And, of course, the festival, right? It's always fun to go to the different pavilions and see what it is that they've got and what's going on and just the pride that they all sort of show when they're showcasing their pavilions. So...
1: And there's a lot of different ways to experience the festival. Tell us a little bit about some of the tours that people can go on.
2: So we've got many different tours, something for everybody. We've got a bike tour, which was, it's been a few years now, a few uh, probably three, four years. So we've had one couple last year actually that t- toured all of the pavilions by bike so that's something really neat we do now also have some walking tours because there are some pavilions that are clumped in one area so you could actually walk from one to the next and you could probably do two or three of them per night depending on where they're located and then your traditional like we've got the vip tours that you could just you get on a coach you do a progressional meal for the two or three pavilions depending on what you purchase so there's again something for everyone and every type of touring that you can do
1: and The Folklorama has been going on, this is its 47th year?
2: 47 years, 47 strong, and we're gearing up to the 50, so we'll be here for a while. That's
1: incredible. Um, What, in your eyes, makes this festival so special for Manitoba?
2: It is one and only kind of a festival in it's of its kind. Um, there's many different provinces within Canada that have actually tried to duplicate it and have not had the success. I think it's unique to Manitoba because we are a little bit of a smaller province. So the way it's situated and set up, we could actually get to different uh, pavilions quite easily, whereas some of the other larger centres may not be able to do it. I think the thing that really makes us so um, good at it is just the pride and the the joy that everybody wants to just show off what it is their culture and just the commitment that they've got to it. So there's a lot of dedication, a lot of commitment, a lot of pride, and it just makes it successful for that reason. So it's like you're visiting someone's home every time you go to a different pavilion.
1: Which is very cool. And you don't even have to leave your city. You can get so many different experiences all in one night or a week or two weeks.
2: We say you travel the world and you sleep in your own bed every night (laughs) So over the two-week period. Absolutely.
1: Very cool. Now, in your time as president at Folklorama, how have you seen the festival kind of grow and expand and get bigger?
2: again when it started originally it was just a one week festival now it's grown to two so my time i've only been on the i've been on the board for 6 years this is my second year as president so i mean you get new pavilions that are constantly coming in so it's constantly growing in that sense and you know we've got little um perks and benefits to getting the new pavilions or encouraging the new pavilions so it's been growing by different cultures that are coming in and wanting to show that pride so it's I think it'll continue to grow and it'll continue to be a success just because of the dedication that's behind it all so
1: and Folklorama of course the big events happen over the two weeks starting July 31st Um, but there's also Folklorama programming all year could you tell us a little bit about some of the things that you do not during those two weeks
2: Absolutely. We've got the talent and the travel portion of our festival. So during uh, the off-seasons of Folklorama, away from the two weeks, we've got uh, members that are part of the Folklorama family, some of our performing groups that you saw here today, and they will go into the schools again and just sort of, it could be that they're participating by way of teaching a drumming class or uh, the talent members are always hired at different events throughout the year. People could call the office and say, I'd like a, and they fill in the blank with whatever cultural performance you're looking for, and we do get those out there year round. So at the end of year by the festival by the time the festival comes around some of the faces are not such new faces but it's faces that they've seen throughout the year because of the different interactions that they've got within the community so
1: all right and I guess before we wrap up is there anything that you'd like to mention that we haven't kind of talked about already
2: well you know what just we've sort of touched on it right it's an amazing festival I would encourage you guys to come out and visit just experience the world in two weeks and sleep in your own bed so <laughs> thank you
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for speaking with us.
2: Thank you guys very much as well.
1: Thanks, Robert. Coming up
0: after the break, we will hear from the Ambassadors General of Folklorama, Martina Vergata of the Italian Pavilion and Inderjeet Gill of the Punjab Pavilion. They'll tell us what it's like being the faces of the festival and the importance of bringing everyone together to celebrate all of our different cultures. But first, here's Walter Ostenek with Sokolowski's Polka right here on River City 360.
1: Welcome back to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you this morning. Today is the first day of Folklorama, as we mentioned earlier, and we've already heard from the president of their board, Zelina Salam. but we were also privileged to speak with the 2016 Ambassadors General, Martina Vergata and Inderjeet Gill about this year's festival and what it's like being the faces of Folklorama. So here's my co-host Nolan Bicknell's conversation with Martina and Inderjeet.
0: You guys are the ambassadors for this year's Folkarama. What what does that what does that role entail exactly?
3: Uh, well, we've started the day after last year's festival ended, so we've kind of been the faces in the media to date um, to help represent the festival. We've done many um, many events in the community, just with our sponsors with our partners so encouraging people from a CA travel program to travel the world with Folklorama to a volunteer appreciation to sponsor appreciation just to say thank you because without the volunteers and without the community this festival would not be what it is especially after 47 years.
4: So you're the faces of the
0: festival what's that like?
4: Yeah yeah it's it's really a wonderful opportunity. We were uh, ambassador for our own pavilion last year and we've gone through a very challenging competition and we are, we were selected as ambassador general and it's a really honored and privileged to be a face of Fokurama and represent Fokurama everywhere we go and this sash is really hard to earn and <laughs> it's a, it's it's a good opportunity to uh, feel the culture from very uh, deep enough and you know about other cultures as well while you are sharing your own culture with them so uh, it's I think it's a wonderful event throughout the world.
0: Why do you think that something like this is important in today's world when there's so much divisiveness, you know? Why is it important to come together?
3: The beautiful thing about Folklorama is that we don't, not that we don't acknowledge it, but we don't talk about it when we're here. It's celebratory, it's acknowledging that with our diversity we are nothing without each other and that i think is one of the things like every time we go to a function the colors the sights the sounds the smells of the food like that just draws us in and it changes our moods and it turns us into one and at the same time acknowledging each other's cultures and acknowledging each other's diversity because we have to and that's so important but knowing that without each other we could never be as strong in our culture as we are so
4: yeah yeah like you said today the technology is so advanced. People have so much privilege to see all things at home. But to make a Snapchat video, you have to be out to involve with people, to bring those colors to your social media as well. So it's a good opportunity. Your social media is bland without these events.
0: Um, so what are you guys hoping to sort of achieve in your roles and what do you hope Winnipeg takes from this ex- takes from the, uh, the entire Folklorama experience?
3: When I started, I would never have even thought about that. It was just a privilege, and I was honored to do it, but to as a, I'm a school teacher, so I share my stories a lot with younger children. Um, I have a lot of immigrant and first-generation students that I teach, and just I hope that they get involved and they never lose their culture. And I'm a first-generation Canadian. My parents immigrated here in the 60s, and as much as we've adapted to life here, um, We've never lost our Italian identity and I think that's really important and just to show people that you know what you can be strong in who you are. Our Canadian mosaic is only what it is because of all of us and because of our different cultures and our ethnicity so be proud of who you are um, and get to know yourself as much as you get to know others too because you knowing yourself better helps to kind of bridge the gaps and build that beautiful mosaic. And I'm going with the woven together. It does weave us all together.
4: Oh yeah, so it's like, like Martina already said enough. So it's really a good opportunity. And it's for me, it's a special because I'm the first one from Punjabi community to be elected as ambassador general. Uh, and it's a really good opportunity for me to encourage more youth from my community to come forward, volunteer at pavilions, and join Folklorama as Ambassador General and just be involved and learn about others.
0: Well, congratulations on your nomination and good luck throughout the, I'm sure you're going to be busy pretty much nonstop during the uh, festival. So
4: uh, have fun.
3: Thank you. We're really excited.
4: Yeah, we're really excited visiting all 45 pavilions this year. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Nolan. And if you want more information about this year's Folklorama, what pavilions are being offered and which weeks, you can visit folklorama.ca. Coming up after the break, we will speak with Trevor Lehman, a local man who's designed a card game all about farming. We spoke with him earlier via telephone to talk about the process of coming up with his game and how he'll be donating $5 from every game sold today to the Canadian Food Grains Bank, a global charity with a focus on ending world hunger. But before we get to that, here's Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes by Edison Lighthouse right here on River City 360. Welcome to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you, and we are now joined by Trevor Lehman. He's the owner of Convergent Games. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. We're here to talk about your game, Crop Cycle, and it's a game of competitive farming. Tell us kind of in a nutshell how the game works and what it's all about.
5: Crop Cycle is a two to five player card game uh, for kids. Uh, officially, it's 13 plus, but I've seen kids as young as six or seven playing it, and it's about 15 to 45 minutes long. And what the goal of the game is, is to move through the seasons and plant, protect and harvest your crops uh, before the other players. And you do that through, you know, playing seasonally appropriate crops uh, from the Canadian prairies and by playing event cards that represent the joys of Canadian living, uh, you know, the highs and the lows, mostly the lows, because that's
1: what makes for an interesting game. What inspired you to create Crop Cycle? how did the idea come about?
5: It kind of a combination of things. So one was that I, I, though I'm not a farmer, and I don't pretend to be, <laughs> um, I definitely grew up surrounded by farmers. My grandpa was, my uncle was, my dad's an ag scientist, but used to do farming. Um, so it was a big part of you know growing up for me. Uh, so I was gonna, I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm going to create a game. I want to make sure it's something that's you know relevant to me and my my experiences and my community. And the other thing was um, I was at the time I was uh, doing I just finished a bachelor of education, and for one of my teaching placements, I was actually in a grade ten geography class teaching the Ag unit, and uh, I was trying to find additional resources or ways to really introduce kids to agriculture, and I thought, well, you know what, making a card game about it would be a fantastic way to do that. So those things sort of were, I guess, the initial spark for it, and it kind of went from there.
1: Games can be used to teach so many different things. It's kind of an interesting way to put a different spin on learning.
5: Yeah, yeah. I know that, like, a lot of times educational games get a bad rap as being kind of reskinned trivial pursuits, you know, where you pick up, it's like, it's a game, you pick up a card and answer a bunch of facts, or, but there's a lot more you can do with that. and Like I know for our game, or for Crop Cycle, I, I wanted it to be something that you learned, but through the actual act of playing. So, to give you an example, um, there's a card there called uh, Early Frost, and it makes you basically skip the fall harvest, and it messes up you know the crops that you're going to harvest in the fall just because the the frost came sooner than you thought. I remember at one point we were playing uh, a couple weekends ago uh, with uh, at one of our farm fairs, and uh, these two younger guys, maybe early 20s, are playing. And one guy plays this early frost on the, the other guy, and it just it messes him his hand up completely, right? And all his stuff is, is basically wiped out. And he was just, you know, quite, quite livid. Uh, but then he has this moment where he just pauses suddenly, and he's like, Oh man, now I know my dad was always so angry in September. So some of these sort of learning experiences kind of come organically out of out of the experience.
1: I want to touch on crowdfunding, so CropCycle mm-hmm. was a crowdfunded game, and for those in our audience who aren't familiar, crowdfunding is where someone has an idea for a creative work or an invention, they explain the idea, and then people will pledge to fund a portion of its development, it could be $5, it could be $100 or more, and then if it reaches a certain goal then it gets produced. How did CropCycle get crowdfunded and what was that process like?
5: Uh, well, uh, after developing it, it was really for me just going to a lot of the conventions and talking about the game and showing it to people. And then I, I launched an initial Kickstarter in uh, October of 2014, and actually it, it didn't uh, succeed, it failed. Then I took six months to retool it and went to fairs across you know Saskatchewan, North Dakota, a lot of fairs and events, and really showcased it, did a lot of, as well as some online marketing. And then I did it again in uh April to May and uh, it, of 2015 and it succeeded and in fact exceeded its funding goal by about uh, 25 30 percent.
1: Wow that's fantastic And I saw on the Kickstarter page you had over 200 people that actually backed crop cycle.
0: Yeah
5: yeah it was really it was really something else. I mean we, we did a lot of outreach a lot of uh, or I did went to a lot of events and the other thing that surprised me though was a good number of them were international. Uh, just under fifty percent were international, and that initially sort of surprised me, uh particularly like I noticed a bunch of them suddenly back from Thailand, and I remembered e messaging one of them just be, or one, some of the backers from Thailand because I was just kind of curious, you know like i'm like i'm I'm glad you're you know pledging to make this happen but i'm I'm just kind of curious what brought you here and They told me that uh, you know in in our culture, you know things like Zen gardens and martial arts are seem as kind of exotic, and to them you know things like canola. Barley, large scale you know tractor farming and stuff that's that's sort of exotic to them, right? One of the backers who pledged sent me a little photo after he got his game of uh, it in the, his living room in this little shrine and he uses it as a conversation starter when people come over
1: that's very interesting, so it's like kind of like a piece of Manitoba in a sense is out there all around the world people are interested in this.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were several people from California impacted. There was someone from Russia, East Asia. You know, it really, really was kind of this little. We, we exported a small bit of Manitoba culture around the world, which was quite
1: cool. Now, the Manitoba Threshermen's reunion is taking place today in Austin, and you'll be attending with copies of Crop Cycle for sale. And I understand part of the proceeds will be raising money for charity. Tell us a little bit more about that.
5: I've been doing a, going to a number of fairs this summer, um, both game conventions and farm fairs. But uh, this is sort of my first uh, foray into uh, charitable works, so or, or doing uh, donating a donating portion of it to charity. So I noticed I was going to be going to the Thresherman's Reunion, and I realized that there was also this Harvesting Hope event going on there that was with the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Uh, So I did a little bit of research into... um, I'd heard of the Food Greens Bank before, but gave myself a refresher in it. And uh, I really was interested in the international reach of it as well. And I was thinking, you know what, if I'm going to be using... I'd like to use my game to, you know, uh, donate some... I was looking around for places to maybe donate some of the proceeds towards uh, charity. And I thought, um, because this organization is all about agriculture and, you know, Canadian farming, it, it was a nice fit with the crop cycle game. And also, because it has this international reach, it had a nice reflection of the backers that helped make the game available in the first place. It was something that you know would, would have more of a global impact to it. And from there, I reached out to them, and they uh, thought it was a good idea. So what's basically happening is, for the Saturday and Sunday, Any sale that I get from the Crop Cycle game, whether it's in person at the the Threshman's Union or uh, online, is going towards the uh, Harvesting Hope campaign for Canadian Food Grains Bank. And then I also spoke to some retailers in Winnipeg, um, a couple of game stores called Game Night Games and the After Dark Lounge. And both of them, um, once they heard about my my set of plan, they also agreed to pledge $5 from every sale of Crop Cycle to the Canadian Food Grains Bank over those two days.
1: That's very cool. So if anyone is interested in picking up the game, today is the day to do it, and a portion of those proceeds will go to support the Canadian Food Grades Bank.
5: Yeah, yeah. $5 from every sale uh, goes towards them. So whether if you're in Winnipeg and you don't feel like driving driving out, uh, you can either buy it online for me, or if you uh, want to support your local retailers, uh, Game Night Games and After Dark Lounge both are doing it as well.
1: Very cool. Do you have any plans to do similar things in the future, teaming up with different charities or supporting different? Yeah,
5: yeah. Um, I'm I'm currently working with a battered women shelter out of Austin, Texas, that I'm currently working on a project with. Uh, once we nail down things, will come out in the next couple of months. Um, and after that, I mean, if this goes well, this is my again my first attempt at the. Uh, at doing uh, a charitable collaboration so I'm really hoping uh, you know it goes well and I'd love to work with the Food greens bank again in the future so uh, now it's just about trying to find ways to uh, get creative with different types of charitable works
1: Excellent so if people are interested in learning more about the game or even purchasing it where can they go to get more information
5: best way to do it is uh, www.convergentgames.com. Or, you know, look me up on Facebook, too, Convergent Games, and uh, there's lots of info there.
1: Great. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. The game is Crop Cycle, and as Trevor mentioned, you can visit ConvergentGames.com to learn more about the game or to purchase it yourself. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
5: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: Thanks, Robert, and thanks, Trevor. Uh, as Trevor said, you can find out more information about his game at www.convergentgames.com. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg joins us in studio to talk about Community News Commons, the citizen journalism project of the Winnipeg Foundation. But first, here's The Name of the Game by ABBA right here on River City 360. I see- If you're listening to River City 360, Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. And we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thank you for joining us today.
6: It's always a pleasure to be here. Good to have you
0: back. We uh, we missed you last Good. week. Hope for you had sure. a nice vacation. I did. Recharged the batteries, ready to rock? That's for sure. That's great. So uh, what's happening this week in Winnipeg through the lens of the citizen journalists that write for Community News Commons?
6: Well, there's a lot of stories. If you go to communitynewscommons.org, uh, you'll see a lot of um, stories by citizen reporters. It seems
0: like it's kind of ramped up lately. Like y- there's been a well, lot y- more content coming out of CNC.
6: Yeah, and that does happen. You know, uh, people. I guess at this time of year, they have a little bit more time to write. They have mm-hmm. a little bit more time to cover some events. Uh, uh, you know, when F- uh, Fringe Festival was oh, happening, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a lot of CNC reporters that were covering Fringe. And if you look in the next couple of weeks uh, at the uh, site, you'll see a lot of reporters covering uh, folklore festival. It's festival season. So it is there's festival festivals season everywhere you look it seems yeah so there is going to be a number of reporters out in all the different pavilions and uh, they will be uh, sort of giving us some stories and some color and some just a you know flavor of what it's like uh, and Folklorama is uh, I think it's 46 47 47 and uh, just a tremendous festival and um, and certainly a a terrific community event that uh, reporters will love to cover for sure so there's
0: there's not going to be any Folklorama stories yet because it starts tonight but what is on CNC what's been published in maybe the past week that we can talk about well
6: over the Past uh, few weeks, we've been uh, we've also had a CNC video booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, yeah, we've mentioned that on the show a couple times. Yeah, and so uh, I, th- I like some of the answers that are coming in. Uh, there was an answer that came in recently uh, from a woman named Bryony Haig. And, we, um, we played that clip on the show no, last did week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. you know, so, I mean, imagine bus transportation and bike lanes yeah. is really what she thought and thinks uh, would make our city a much better place.
0: I think her her message is probably echoed by a lot of Winnipeggers because that's a very common sort of issue that we have here in,
6: in the peg. Oh, for sure. And just this past week, there was a study about Bike safety. Mm. Uh, I think I believe it was a national study, and it showed that uh, the numbers are up as far as uh, people getting hurt or, um, unfortunately, killed uh, on bicycles um, on our city yeah. streets. A,
0: com- a combination of no respect and no safe lanes for them to be in means well. It's going to be dangerous for sure.
6: Yeah. So that was. Uh, so there's you know so there's a few answers like that. There's some answers from uh, another uh, person who says we should have a much cleaner city mm-hmm. that we should clean up some garbage. Um, y- basically, we're asking people. What is the one thing that would make our community better and why? And so they
0: go down. There's a video booth currently set up at the Louis Riel
6: Library. That's correct. And they, can just, they press play and they can and talk about whatever. Exactly. So we, we want to hear from people and then we take those comments and we publish them on cool. uh, on the site. And if you can't make it down to Louis Riel uh, Public Library for whatever reason, um, maybe just give us a call. Call the on, show. Yeah, sure. call our listener line 204-944-9474. Extension 360. So that's 944 9474 extension 360. And tell us the one thing that you think would make our community better and why.
0: Sure. And yeah. And if anyone wants to call in, we can play their answer next week on the show. That'd be great. Good idea.
6: That would be awesome. I love it. So what else is happening on CNC? Well, another story I really enjoyed this uh, past week was by Trevor Smith. I really like the stuff that he does. And um, Trevor wrote about Manitoba's forgotten princess. Uh, it's a very interesting story um, about uh, a woman named uh, Frederica uh, Bjorn's daughter. Okay, uh, she's from Iceland. I was going to yeah, say uh, emigrated to Canada uh, during that first wave of Icelanders who came in eighteen in the eighteen seventies. eighteen seventy six was when she came, and of course landed on the shores of New Iceland, which is now present day Gimli. Cool, and. Um, she and uh, the connection to royalty is a little tenuous, but it is explained by Trevor Smith in the story, and I think it's uh, it's um, it's legitimate. <laughs> uh, but the the more interesting thing is the fact that she is buried in a grave near Riverton, which is in the Interlake, and uh, it's unmarked and it's unkept. But people know where it is and now. There's huh. a group of, of, of uh, people from the Interlake, uh, actually her ancestors, that are uh, starting an effort to try and uh, do something with this gravesite and with the um, with the whole story, Very and to actually uh, do something for Canada's 150th birthday. Okay, uh, July 2017 is when they want to kind of unveil this sort of park with that has this nice memorial to um, to a forgotten princess. Of, very cool. Uh, that sounds like a Manitoba. very,
0: yeah, I think our listeners
6: might enjoy that story Oh yeah, quite it's a, a great That's story. Just cool. go to communitynewscommons.org and you can check that story out and a whole bunch of other stories.
0: Fantastic. Well, last week we had Rob take your place in, in bringing us a local artist and we like to have you in because you have a very extensive knowledge and, and connection to the local music scene. You know kind of who's playing what and who's playing where. And uh, so what have you brought for our listeners to hear this week that they may not have heard from a local artist?
6: Well, actually, um, uh, speaking of Icelandic uh, matters, there's the Icelandic festival that's happening right now in Gimli, Manitoba. And uh, if uh, it's... Uh, people can still make it out there because uh, the festival goes uh, today, uh, Sunday, as well as on Mondays uh, oh, cool. also. There's tons and tons of things to do in Gimli. It is busy, uh, right. and there are a lot of people, but there's a lot of nice... Um, uh, very manageable events to go to. One of my favorite uh, things to do at the Icelandic Festival, also known as the Íslandíðingdágrín. <laughs> that's the Icelandic <laughs> I, festival. Are do you say it in Icelandic? I'm not even going to try. Dangerin. <laughs> i I'm not even going to try that. I'll
0: just embarrass myself.
6: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, but one of my favorite events is the Alternative Folk Festival, okay. which happens on uh, tonight. It happens Sunday nights uh, in Gimli at the Icelandic Festival at the Gimli Park. Uh, there's a main stage there. There's food. There's vendors. And, of course, there's entertainment. There's lots of music. Uh, Christopher allwork is playing. Rain Hamilton is playing. Sweet Alibi will be there. Oh, nice. A uh, number of different uh, bands will be there. And at 9 p.m., uh, Joey Landreth will be playing. Is that of the, bro- brothers, of Landreth? the brothers Landreth? the cool. uh, fame, and uh, Joey is the lead singer, guitarist, and chief songwriter of uh, of the group, and uh, he will be, um, uh, of course, the Brothers Landreth will not be there, but Joey will be, and okay. he does, I mean, he has had a solo uh, career, and um, he uh, does a lot of great tunes, mm-hmm. and um, he'll be playing for an hour tonight uh, on the main stage cool. of the Alternative Folk right Festival. On. So So, if, uh, if you can get out to Gimli it'll be great and you can see Joey Landreth and uh, just for a taste of um, Joey and his guitar I thought we'd uh, we'd uh, offer a song from Joey Landreth uh, called 1964 Gibson Firebird 3 right here on CGNU 93.7 FM River City 360
0: That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening, and a big thank you to all of our guests for talking to us on on this week's show.
1: If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, you can visit us online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org.
0: River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM.
1: And we'd love to hear your feedback about this week's program. Please give us a call. We would love to hear from you. Our listener line is open 24 7, and you can call us at 204 944 9474 extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show. Have you played Crop Cycle before? Are you planning on attending Folklorama? Tell us about your Folklorama experience. You can even request a song or suggest a topic for a future show. Again, that's 204 944 9474 extension 360.
0: You can also search us on twitter and facebook by searching at river city 360 on twitter and river city 360 on facebook i'm nolan bicknell signing off for river city 360
1: and i'm robert Zirk. thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next week have a great sunday